Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome to the T3Fit Scoliosis podcast. On this episode, I would like to welcome a very special guest. Uh, she's here to talk about her experience and her journey of watching not only her daughter, but her granddaughter be diagnosed with scoliosis and what that felt like for her watching it again from her daughter and then in another generation down. This guest is my mother. Her name is Letty, and I would like to welcome you to the show. Thank you. It's, as we know, it's going to be a little hard because it, it stirs up a lot of memories. It's, it's fine. That's why we're here. Okay. Um, can you share with us your perspective and your side of the story of the time that I was diagnosed with scoliosis? It came about, you were around 10 years old, 10 and a half, and you had a wonderful pediatrician by the name of Richard Saffir. And Dr. Saffir said, something looks funny because you'd grown in a year and a half, you'd grown three and a half inches. And so he asked me uh, to take you to a doctor who was up on the Upper East Side who had the bedside manner of a walrus. Um, finally, at one point, uh, and I don't remember the doctor's name because I don't want to, um, the, the doctor said he wanted a meeting with you, me, and your father. And we all came in. And I, um, once you were diagnosed, once he diagnosed you with scoliosis, he put you in, I think it was called a Milwaukee brace. Yeah. And uh, as... A later doctor said, it was when the doctor looked at, the second doctor looked at it, he said, I wouldn't wear this either. This is a, a Chinese torture chamber. <laughs> so for those of you who do not know what the Milwaukee brace was, it was encased in leather with a metal rod going down the, the front of Teresa's chest in, in between her breastbone and two metal rods going down her back. I had to pull strap, uh, pull a strap across and buckle it like you would buckle a belt. I had three three of these buckles to do every day, and she did it very re reluctantly. And finally, it got to the point where she wasn't wearing. It. She said, "I'm not doing this." Yeah, there was a screw at the top too of the brace in the back. I don't would remember put... having to deal with the screw. The doctor finally called, <coughs> excuse me, your father and me in, and he said. We have to talk about having surgery. I went out to, we, you and I went out to Montauk and I spoke to your grandmother and I don't know if you want to mention her or not. Had a wonderful doctor whose name I cannot think of right now, but he was wonderful. 
and she said, let's call him and get get an opinion. Let's not do anything yet before we see what's going on. So we called the doctor and he recommended, and what was the doctor's name? Not O'Leary or Newark? Yeah, O'Leary. The first one was O'Leary. O'Leary, right. So uh, your grandmother's uh, doctor gave us the name of Dr. Patrick O'Leary. He took care of the Kennedys. I mean, he took care of everybody who was anybody. And he also took care of the people who weren't anybody. So he was very gracious. And he was so popular, you had to make appointments like six weeks to eight weeks in advance to get in to see him. I then, after I made the appointment, I called the, the office back and I said, by the way, should I bring in the brace? And they said, absolutely. So you weren't, at this point, you were, you're not wanting to wear the brace. So we, the brace I came re- in. I remember. I remember <laughs> that clearly. And the brace is walking in like a purse by itself. And we put the brace on the floor. And Dr. Early looked at it and said, I wouldn't wear this either. So we had many discussions, and then he looked at Teresa, and he said, well, we have several choices. We can do nothing. We can do surgery. We can give you a different brace, which would be made out of plexiglass, and you could you could deal with it yourself. What would you like? And Teresa said, I'll try the plexiglass. And so we went. No memory of that. I'm sorry. (laughs) I have no memory of that. Oh yeah, no. You said you you would try the plexiglass. So we then we went back to uh, I forget the name of the place, but was the same place where the torture chamber was made, except this was done with it was very lightweight. It was it was plastic. Plastic. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. It was it was and Teresa and it was covered in Velcro and Teresa could could strap herself into this. I didn't have to have anything to do with it, which then, of course, gave her, correct me if I'm wrong on this, um, gave me gave her a, a, a feeling of being more in control of her life and, and having to, trying to man, manage this by herself without me. So that sort of went along. And but then, it, I'm sorry? But it didn't work. It didn't work partially because it got to a point again where you were mm, off and on, off and on. And he had also given her exercises to do, and she didn't want to do them. And I, I figured, you know, I'm only going to press so hard because otherwise there are going to be more battles. And to just even get her into the brace was more important than trying to fight, fight get, fighting her, <clears throat> excuse me, to do these exercises. So finally, as Teresa said, uh, uh, it, it wasn't seeming to work. And six weeks, she, she we saw the doctor in the beginning of April. And from April to May 19, which was the day of the surgery, she her 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 uh, curvature went from a forty six degree curve to a fifty degree curve in six weeks. That's how fast she was growing, and and what was happening was she was growing 
but the spine, the, the heavier bones were doing its thing, but the spine being so delicate couldn't keep up with with the fast growth spurt. So it made the it made the scoliosis worse. And to look at her, basically, you didn't see anything except if she was in a bathing suit or in a leotard because she was also a dancer. It was like her right back shoulder blade, which I called the angel wing, the right angel wing came up and the back, the left one went down. And so that, <clears throat> and the right hip sort of went slightly up. So I, when I was seeing this, I was thinking, oh, okay, well, nothing grows totally symmetrical. The right side will grow and the left side catches up. No, the right side was going and the left side was staying down. So she ended up having the surgery and <laughs> I was told, and her father was told, that we would not be able to see her. She went, she, the, surgery, the surgery, I think, was scheduled for 9 o'clock. Her father and I got there around 7, 7.30. She, they did not take her up or down to whichever way the OR room was, but they did not take her until like 10.30 or 11. I have no memory. I don't know. Uh, be, you know, because they were giving you shots and you were... <laughs> Um, so then I, knowing that we could not see her until six o'clock, I said to her father, you know, they're saying that we cannot get in to see her to six o'clock. You know, her father and I were separated. I said, why don't we leave? And we'll meet back here around five thirty, quarter of six. Fine. Get back there. Five thirty, quarter of six. The doctor all of a sudden appears and says, where were you? And we said, well, we were told we couldn't see her until six o'clock. And the doctor said, you could have gone in at four o'clock. Hello. Right hand doesn't know what the left hand's up to. So we saw her and I, to a certain extent, I was prepared. And then what I wasn't prepared for was she looked jaundiced. And that was because they were, uh, uh, um, what's the word I want? Putting lick through an IV. And I went, oh, okay, but you're okay. And surgery was, we were told, was successful. So we come back, I think the next day, by the next day you were moved up into your room. But then <laughs> during the night, now you got it, because this is a very funny oh, story. Yeah, during the night I was on my side for two hours and then on my back and then my side. Are you, well, there's two stories. There's the one with the snap. Or are you talking about the guy next door? Next door, I don't know the guy next door was the vice president of Calvin Klein jeans and he wet his bed and he was cursing at the nurse that he needed to get out of his bed. That's the story. And, but the thing that's so funny about it was like, Teresa said that she said, just be quiet. I want to sleep. Just be quiet. And, and the poor nurse was going crazy. He was trying to help Teresa. And she could, the guy was making Teresa crazy and making the nurse crazy. So I had the surgery. And, you had the, the surgery, yeah. and 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 when I saw it, they had they had put uh, a, what looked like an ace bandage, like you wrap around your foot if you sprain your ankle. They had put a, this totally across back. her back. Yeah. And her father years ago had had surgery, and had lines on his back. So when they're take they're going to take this um, uh, what I call Those ace were, bandage off her yeah. back. That's what I'm thinking I'm going to see. And this, I, this, those were stitches that he had. Those were stitches that you saw. 
No, yeah, but I thought that that's what I was also going to see on your back uh, from the surgery, not knowing. So they're getting to take the ace bandage off and not to scare Teresa. I do a one-eye wink like this, thinking, okay, be brave. Don't let her know how fight you are. Took the ace bandage off, and she had what I called a pencil, like a very thin pencil line going from the nape of her neck, neck down to her tailbone. Like, I went, oh, and this was covered with little strips. And so she was there. She was supposed to be let out within a week of the surgery. And my mother said, no, convince them to let her stay there another week. By which time she was really feeling comfortable, was getting up, was walking around. When it came time for her to leave, they wanted to remove what I call the scotch tape off her back. And she we went she went in the bathroom and she came, No, no, no. Said, All right. When you take her home, you have to put warm compresses on or, or, or nail polish remover to pull these this tape off. And she came, All right, do it here, do it here and she was bending over the sink and she was crying and I'm I'm holding my hands trying to be supportive of her. And so finally we got all the tape off of her back. So her father, oh, I'm sure it was, honey. Uh, and I was, I was just, I was trying to just be brave for you to help yeah. you get through it. Do you remember the first time I went to the bathroom? You told me this story. I went to the bathroom and there was the string out of my back. And you said I saw the string and I turned green. I don't remember that. Yeah. What I do remember, uh, I was, I don't know if I was at the dentist, a doctor, I was somewhere. And they, had, the Dr. O'Leary had said to me that they had done inside stitch, that it was dissolvable. Yeah, that uh, was the string. It was dissol dissolvable stitches, and they did inside stitching. So I'm going, what's inside stitching? And the doctor said, and here's the doctor said, like, if you're hemming a skirt, you put the needle in the, 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 the material from the skirt is all gathered here. And then you gradually smooth the material out and get it all nice and smooth. Well, that's what they did to Teresa's skin. And so with that being said, the stitches were dissolving inside. So in some surgeries, the stitches are there and they have to go in and remove all the stitches. And so doing the inside stitching and the stitching being self-dissolving, that never happened. But I, never, I don't remember this with the, with the string and, and you turning green. So I was in the hospital for two weeks and then I came home and it was at the end of the school year that I had the surgery. So I didn't have to go back to school for the rest of this, uh, that year. And then we went to Montauk. But before we went to Montauk, but I'm sorry for inter mm -hmm. interrupting you a second. Before we went to Montauk, Dr. O'Leary said that he wanted to raise a, to wear the, the plexiglass brace for six months and do nothing but walking. Nothing, nothing, nothing but walk. Ah, that didn't work. Uh, yeah, right. Well, thanks to your grandmother. Her, her grandmother said to me and to Teresa, he, she said, let's be, and, and Dr. Newworth, who was. What did he say? Doctor, let's go. Let's what? What did he say? Let's what? Well, he, I have to jump back. Doc, the, the, this man, Doctor Newworth, was when before they before you went into surgery, had talked to Doctor O'Leary regarding this new procedure, 
and he said, D uh, Dr. O'Leary said, we will not know definitely whether or not we can do this new procedure until we get inside. Dr. Newworth says, I think we can. Okay, so we finished the surgery now. So, and O'Leary is saying, all you can do is walk in. And Newworth says, she doesn't need the brace. She doesn't need the brace. She doesn't need the brace. Your grandmother says, let's compromise. But if she's in the car and she's driving to Montauk, she wears the brace. If she's going to be on a bus, she wears the brace. When, with, without doing that, she doesn't need the brace. So we're, we're, we're inching over towards Dr. Newworth. Now, you go to Montauk. Yeah, so I go to Montauk, recover there for two weeks. Grandma's house was on the ocean. And one thing I remember, and I didn't swim in Montauk, but I remember being told you can't go in the water for long periods of time. It didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. It was the summer. I was in Montauk and then I was at my dad's house upstate. And uh, yeah, I swam. I swam. But what do you remember when I first came home after the two weeks of being in the hospital? When, you, when she came home, it was very hard. She, Teresa was afraid to get undressed. She was afraid to get into bed. So what I said was, remember how when you were in the hospital, they had you to, to, to uh, you know, to, to change your pajama or your hospital gown or whatever. They had you rolled. I said, let's try taking your clothes off. You, you sit on the bed or you lay on the bed and you roll. And somehow or other, we gradually got the shirt off you. So, so she rolled and we somehow or other got the pants off of her. And then she rolled again and we got the pajamas or the nightgowns on her. She got through the first night. Okay, that was like. So then gradually, as she gradually began to feel comfortable being at home, being with me, and the nurse is not there to help her, she gradually eased up and, and began to feel more comfortable. And that's also when uh, we were home. She was, she was home for two weeks. And then two weeks later, after being home, we went out to Montauk. And that's when mom said, wear the brace when you travel. She, because when she was in the hospital, she would get up. She, would, she could do everything come home, there was no safety net. But she she was fearful as if to say, what's going to happen? You know, the nurses aren't here. What if something happens? And I tried to be as supportive of her as I possibly could. Okay, I'm so, going to, let's, let's jump a little bit further down the road because I would like to talk about this because this was such a pivotal time in my life as it was yours. Uh, and I then I'm going to jump on to about your granddaughter. Um, okay dance even oh, after good. the surgery oh, after oh the wonderful surgery, wonderful i wonderful. still wanted to dance but the, i'm glad you brought this up because at the end of the summer the surgery was may 19 by july beginning or middle of july she was wanting to dance up until then up until the surgery she had studied with uh abt and then ABT closed down 
their, their children's program. So she went to Joffrey. And Teresa, at the age of five, was doing her own cl- two classes of her own and two classes of the teenage class. So that's, you know, if this young lady now, grown up, was not meant to dance, this said she was meant to yeah. dance. And as you always said, if there was a class, I was in it. So I'll just oh, jump, absolutely. I'll jump back a little bit. Uh, okay, my so- mom has mentioned uh, my grandmother. And my grandmother and her second husband are the founder of HB Studio. Uh, my grandmother, my mother's mother is Uta Hagen. And so there were jazz classes there that I would, as my mom said, if there was a class, I would take it. And that was also a place where I took classes as often as I could on top of ballet. But we're going to, so I'm just interjecting that right. to give a little bit of a background. But so now nope. we're July and then we're back into September. And I wanted to. In the beginning of September, she had to go back to see uh, O'Leary. And she had had an, X, had, had, had an X-ray. And O'Leary said, oh, my God, she's healing so so quickly. And I'm thinking, yeah, she's doing what you told her not to do, <laughs> which is exercise and dance and do what she wants to do. And then a day or two later, I took her to Newworth. And I said to Dr. Newworth, I said, is it how do you feel about Teresa doing dance class? He said, absolutely. The only thing she cannot do is leaps or jumps, but but Newworth said absolutely, and then gradually she as she continued to heal and get stronger and stop wearing the brace, she came back to Joffrey, but it got too it got too uh, I think the word I would say is uh, frustrating for her because because of the rods she she could do her ballet bar but she couldn't arch her back. So in terms of wanting to be a professional dancer, uh, that's what stopped at that, them. At that time. At that time. The, the dynamics of the surgeries have changed dramatically. Um, but yeah, it, at that time, it kind of crushed everything that just remained dark in my life for a long time. And then you found a way to start moving yourself. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. Since then, I became a trainer, and I'm a mom, and I'd like to talk to you about that. So, okay. my daughter Tura, your granddaughter, uh, was diagnosed by accident um, with scoliosis, with a mild version of scoliosis. How was it watching that for you with her? It brought back a flood of memories concerning you. And yet, because of the relationship that you had and have with her, you were able to get her to do the exercises that she needed to do. And, and when you took her to the therapy, the therapy places, mm-hmm. um, you watched what the trainers were doing and you made it pleasant for her so it wasn't a burden. I did not know how to do that. Everything that I was going through with you when you were little, I was I I had no help. I was flying by the seat of my pants. I was doing the best I could and my heart went out to you and as I said earlier, I maybe I should have forced you more with the exercises, but I thought let me just get you into the brace. Well, the exercises, exercises at that time was a bird dog. I mean, I remember that it was do a bird. It's called a bird dog where you lie down on your back and you extend your arm and your leg at the same time. 
that was the equivalent of the exercises and some stretching. And what I, what Tura did with, when I worked with her was much more finely detailed uh, that she did with the specialists. Um, and I was, we come from two different worlds, you and I, and I was able to help through that, exactly. through that time with her because I had the knowledge and the information and the background to be able to work with that. Whereas you and dad didn't. Yeah, exactly. It didn't exist. I mean, it, your backgrounds were very different than, than, than mine is. But what was, what did you learn while watching Tara with her scoliosis? What did you learn about her? What did you learn about me? And what did you learn about yourself? Well, I learned that the three of us had a great deal of strength that I was unaware of. And, and okay, don't get upset. Don't get upset. <laughs> All right. I'm babe and I'm trying. Um, Do you, Nana? Do you? Do you? Um, the fact that you had, have and had the relationship with her to get her to do those, which I couldn't because I had no support. I was so happy for you. And yet at the same time, I was very envious of you. Okay. That you could help her get through stuff that I tried to help to be supportive of you. We come from uh, different backgrounds. Yeah, because I, I wasn't given the tools. And somehow or other, I, I think I managed to give you some of those tools. Mm -hmm. You absolutely did. Um, and I was... Uh, I was very happy for you and so happy for her that she didn't have to go through that. And thank God, thank God she was complaining to you that her side <laughs> hurt and that we, yeah. that you discovered it as early as you did. Yeah. That to me was, that to me was the saving grace of everything. When it started, it was like I was reliving it again. Yeah. Same here. Which was the nightmare. Same here. Which was the, which, which it, it was a nightmare from hell. Yeah, she, I had, I had to be strong for you, and I had to be strong for her. And you know, I say, you know, you would say, "Come on, Tura," and I say, "Tura, you can do this. Come on, let's," you know, and try to where it got tough for you, I would try to uh, make a game out of it and lighten it up to try to help her to get through what she had to get through to prevent her from having to go through surgery. Do you remember when I found out? She was complaining that her ribs were hurting her because she had I fallen. I remember hearing about, I remember, yeah. She had fallen and she kept complaining that her ribs were hurting her. And I said, okay, let's go get an x-ray to make sure that nothing's fractured or broken. And they took the x-ray and that's when I saw her spine. And I asked the guy, I said, her spine is curved. And he said, yeah. And I said, what do you know about that? He said, well, I don't know that much. You're going to have to talk to your her her primary and I said well let me tell you I know about it <laughs> and that was the beginning of it and even yeah. when she was doing the therapy there was one point where she looked at me and she said mama I want to have surgery oh wow. and I said no you don't no you don't I remember no, sitting saying and me and me and me backing you up on that yeah and um <clears throat> you just gave so much of yourself to us during that time because even with the challenges that you had of, you know, flying solo with my story, you, you still 
you did the best you could. And because of that, your strength, even in the hardest of times, was still present to, to, to hand down to me and to hand down to Tura. And we got through it and we got through it. And that's, that's why I wanted to have you on the show because I personally don't know anybody else. I know of twins who have had scoliosis and who have had surgery, but I have yet to speak to a Nana, as we call you, uh, a Nana whose child and grandchild have been diagnosed with scoliosis and what it, what it has meant for you, what you have observed during this time from yourself to two other generations. And I wanted to bring that to the show because I think that there are people out there who can say, wow, I never thought of it that way, or wow, I can relate. And that needs to be heard because scoliosis, as we know, at the time that I was diagnosed, it was, it was so isolating and it was so foreign and it was a sucker punch. It was a sucker punch for yeah. you. It was a sucker punch for me. It was a sucker punch. And even when Tura was diagnosed, it was still a sucker punch, but the dynamics have changed over time. And I wanted to share your story of how it was from then and how you have evolved through Tura's story. So I would like to say to my mother, Letty Ferrer, thank you for being a guest on the Scoliosis Podcast. Before we go, before we go away, one, one little bit of advice I can give to Tura. To anybody to listening. To what? anybody listening, to whoever's listening. Yeah, right. To parents who, who, whose kids have had scoliosis. Boys can have scoliosis and scoliosis can be hereditary. The one strong bit of advice with it be, being hereditary, if there is a history, which in this case there is, it's you and Tura. As um, far as we know. A, as far as we know. If there is a history of it and the parent's child has a child and there's a grandchild involved or a great grandchild involved. If there is any way <clears throat> to test uh, genetically to see if there is a history in the new child that might contain a, a gene for scoliosis this way, if it is there, you can be on top of it. You can do exercises with the young child to prevent the scoliosis from developing. That's 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 my big. So you're talking about doing some type of DNA testing to prevent that scoliosis from developing, or if so, that they catch it much earlier. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. It's a conversation worth having. I mean, I'm sure that that's already a topic for many people. Um, well, I don't. I don't know, but that's but that's my big one thing that I've. I feel very, and we have, you and I have never talked about this, yeah. but it, it's one thing that I feel very, very strongly about. So to just basically have your child te tested as early as possible. Start right away and see if there's a, any genetic possibility of scoliosis or just try to keep on top of it. Well, you know what? That's going to be much further down the road. And True. We'll see, we'll see what science has to offer at that time. But I just have to throw it out there. So yeah, no, and I, I'm just I'm I'm going further on that. You know, okay. ten years down the road, however many years down the road, uh, you know, hope maybe science will be that up to date and be able to determine that. Um, well, you know, we'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. But I would like to again personally thank my mother, Letty Ferrer, otherwise known as Nana. 
to so many of us uh, for being a guest on the show and for telling her journey of what it was like with her daughter, myself, and her granddaughter being diagnosed with scoliosis. Thank um, you for having me. Thanks for being a guest. If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode.